Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Constructing the Clubhouse, the world's number one comedy podcast about building a comedy club in Barcelona during a pandemic. I'm Dr. Matt. Joining me is the wonderful Johnny Boy Alice. Hello, everybody. Johnny, welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, sort of good to be back. Yeah. A little, a little well, good to be back. It's funny. So let's see. What day is, today's Thursday. You got back, what, Monday or Tuesday or yeah, something? Yeah, late Monday night. I saw you, was it Tuesday night? Tuesday we had our um, staff Christmas party, which was fun. Yeah, you were missed, Vim. And uh, so, yeah, saw you Tuesday night. You were looking fresh. Yeah. You, you know, happy, cheerful. Then today... I've been worn down. Oh, snap back to reality there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what happened is I stepped back foot inside the clubhouse once again. Yeah. Uh, I had a beautiful time away. It was really nice being away, um, hanging out with my brother and his family and being like fully distracted. Just yeah. like kids wanting children's stories and that kind of thing. So it was just, yeah, completely, completely uh, out of it. And then today I come back and I knew it was a problem because we've been talking about it in our chat a little bit. But we have roaches everywhere. Dun, dun, dun! Yeah, first of malaria infestation and now something that's a little bit more classic, but still uh, super traumatic. I hate them. It, it like makes my skin crawl looking at them. And I've just spent the last half an hour sweeping them up. And... I feel bad. Uh, you and Javi both are like particularly bothered by bugs, and I'm not. And yeah. yet you two have like really done the the bulk of the work on trying to combat them. Yeah. Um, well, I haven't done much on it yet. I did just try and call a pest control person, and it does seem like Huzzah. someone's going to be able to come in and will viciously and decisively destroy bugs and guarantee bugs be destroyed uh since things here everybody uh, let's let's just do the city episode right and the sid episode oh yeah yeah, yeah. the interview with sid yeah we can do there's a lot more other stuff to update on so maybe we connect this part with another part later or something rather yeah. whatever no let's keep going Luckily, Sid's mic is still off, though. Do you want to keep going? We can keep going as well. Absolutely, I want to keep going. Let's keep going. Well, what are we talking you about? sound beautiful now. I was just talking about how uh, we have a roach situation in the clubhouse, and it's so disgusting and so gross, and I so do not like them at all. How are you with cockroaches? Pass. <laughs> uh, yeah, the gross. Um, but I do think I prefer cockroaches to rats. I don't know if that's a controversial opinion, but uh, whoa, 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 there, buddy. This is a pro rat. <laughs> well, because you you really have like establishment. You really hey, have wait, like six or seven. Let's, let's, let's formally introduce you too. Sure, my name right? is Matthew Murtaugh, but I'm the is Matthew that why Murtaugh you're so who's not a doctor. No, it's a coincidence. Wait, anyway. you're not a doctor. Any JD, Matt, JD. I, I have a JD, yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, my name is Sid Singh and I have a JD. Doctor's Club. <laughs> yeah, Doctor's Club, baby. What's a, what's a JD? Doctor by association. No, it's a <laughs> Juris Doctorate. It's a law degree. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. Anyway, those soothe, soothing tones you hear are the, the words of Sid Singh, international comic, former <laughs> improv performer. Sure. Uh, a current, current improv performer as of last night. Jurist Doctor. 
Yeah. Touring act. So what often happens, if we're on a plane together and someone has a heart attack, I would rush over to them and sue the captain. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, fellow non-Indian. This guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, also not an Indian. I was, I was born in India, but apparently don't technically count as an Indian. I count you as more Indian than me. Yes! <laughs> yeah. The reason I bring it up is that Sid is going to India soon. Uh, I'm so nervous about that. Yeah. What's the what's the plan? What, what are you going to So do? I'm doing uh, four to five cities, probably four cities now, um, on tour. So it'll be Bangalore on the third, Hyderabad on the fifth. Uh, and then, as of right now, it will be Delhi on the 12th and Mumbai on the 15th, which was a reshuffling that just happened. Um, you and, not doing Calcutta? No, no, we're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there was a lot of cities that did not get their shit together, so we were like, okay, well, I guess not this time. Uh, and big, like, thriving stand-up comedy scene in India these days, like... So that's the thing that I'm kind of nervous about, is there is a growing scene in India, for sure... However, uh, there is a lot of political repression going on, and I tend to be a political comedian who can't <clears> keep <throat> his mouth shut. And uh, at a recent show in London, I performed, I did a Diwali show, so <laughs> that's pretty Indian. And um, it's like the mayor of London put on some Diwali show, and they had me host it. And then they had uh, Sahil Shah, who was an Indian, <laughs> I probably shouldn't name him for what I'm about to say, uh, Indian comic. Uh, and he was like, hey, man, those are funny, funny jokes. Don't tell those in India. They're not going to really? like them. Really? Yeah. Wow. So so what kinds of things are there? Is there any criticism of the government? That's uh, government, okay? religion. You know, be, uh, you know, it's so interesting because I grew up with a very different form of Hinduism than what's espoused by uh, the government these days. Yeah. This is Modi's government? Yeah. I thought he was progressive and nice. Uh, well, he isn't. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Um, but probably the guy right before Manmohan Singh was was relatively progressive, I suppose. Singh, I think you're just a little bit biased. <laughs> you know it, man. A good friend of mine, we still hang out today. Uh, he's coming to my show tomorrow. I am? Yeah. <laughs> you doing a show here? Uh, yes. Nice. Yeah. What's, yeah. The, what's the show? It's called Bomb Shelter. Hell oh, fucking yeah! yeah, that yeah. Is we got him! Best comedy show in Barcelona. The longest running comedy show in Barcelona. Longest running comedy show in Barcelona, man. Really, it's claim to fame, but usually pretty popular. In any language. Yeah these days uh is that true yeah i guess so i'm gonna say it is yeah yes it is true who knows and or who cares it about what's happening as well. in yeah. spanish comedy yeah well, listen maybe if they would speak our language we don't know what's happening yeah you know? <laughs> maybe it's on them the jakes you know um so you could do like anti-china jokes have got any jokes about the chinese so government I, I was thinking about that because i do think there's something funny about you know, so much of my political comedy is about America anyway. Mm-hmm. And so instead of being an American going to India to lecture Indians about India, I'm an American going to India to lecture Indians about America, <laughs> which I think is sillier. Like, at least they're like, well, I guess he's not making fun of us. Like, Yeah. But yes, definitely there will be no jokes about Hinduism. Uh, mm. Even though I just, you know, it's not, first of all, it, it was just a joke I riffed on the day. But it was a thing where it was like, it's just based on the fact that I was raised with a very... Uh, open-minded view of Hinduism, right? A very loose thing, because if you actually look at the history of Hinduism, that makes the most sense. It really was never one religion. Mm-hmm. It was a collection of religions that just sort of got mushed together as India got colonized over and over again. Sure. Right? As uh, Islam is one religion and Hinduism just sort of was the other. Um, that's why you see, like, uh, coins with Shiva, one of the gods of Hinduism, all the way as far north as, like, Afghanistan. 
Uh, but then you see like Hanuman as far south as like Indonesia. You know what I mean? These were not necessarily one. Are these like, Indian Pokemons? Uh, <clears throat> listen, I'm not trying to die, Matt. So I'm gonna have to say yes. <laughs> no, no, not at all. We'll strategically release this after you get back from India. <laughs> uh, no, but there is a there is a thing ooh, where I it's... got a Shiva. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, um, you would say like Shiva, Vishnu, Brahma are sort of the closest thing we have to our Holy Trinity. Whereas okay. Hanuman is sort of uh, uh, Hanuman is probably closer to a Pokemon, in that he was a very cool uh, warrior slash monkey. Uh, <laughs> All right, I uh, can get behind this. That fought for Ram against who was an avatar of Vishnu. Um, my my god is a ninja turtle. Alright. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I like Ganesha or Ganesh. Ganesha. That's the one with a bunch of different Ganesh, arms, right? son of Shiva. Uh, he has an insane story. Again, I would love to talk about this because I grew up with Christians making fun of the Bible. Right? I mean, that's what Bill Hicks and all these guys are doing. I mean, maybe they were atheists at the time of the jokes, but, you know, they were in a Christian country making fun of their religion. I would love to do that about uh, Hinduism, uh, but I guess it's just not allowed these days. Yeah, not in India at least. But the thing is, you know, the thing that might surprise people, Welcome I make all to these the cancel cult. <laughs> I make all these jokes about not being that Indian, but re- realistically, I actually grew up reading the sort of like sacred texts and epic stories like over and over and over again, just because they were the only things in English I had. Sometimes. Right. So your parents are like first generation; they moved from India yeah. to the states. Yeah, yeah. Um, but and, you know, their friends' houses, if they had anything, you know, it might be the Mahabharata, the Ramayana, and so I'd just be like, all right, well. I don't want to talk to the adults, and I'm the only person who's seven here, so I'm going to go <laughs> uh, read the only book that's in English. Were, you, were they quite uh, religious when you were growing up? Uh, loosely, you know what I mean? Like, my dad is the kind of guy who's, like, so there's this idea that whenever an important moment arises, uh, Vishnu shows up on Earth, right? An avatar of Vishnu, mm-hmm. or, or a son of Vishnu, <laughs> Jesus-y style. Um and uh, uh, the interesting thing is actually, if you look at, there's a theory that again, not the dominant theory anymore, but there's a theory that the way they used Vishnu would be how scientists in India were able to like sneak in concepts of evolution. So if you actually look at the different avatars of Vishnu, they keep evolving. Mm-hmm. So it starts off as uh, first there was a fish who created the water, then there was a turtle who created the land, uh, and then there was a bird uh, who created the air, and then uh, I think it was uh, the first man, and then Ram was the first perfect man, and then Krishna was sort of the uh, improvement on him, and then sort of the next one. So my father was like, yeah, you know, Jesus is, uh, maybe Jesus is Vishnu. What do we know? <laughs> you know, sure. he, was, he was super open to all of those kinds of things. Nice. Um, so if anything, he would just be like, everything's Hinduism. It <laughs> sort of was my dad's way. Yeah, well, they would take, take it all. That's, that's fine. Yeah. So what was the joke? The the joke was just that like um, name a thing and I'll explain to you how my father would say that's Hinduism. Oh, you know I mean? okay. Uh, uh, hilarious. So it's like and, a crowd work. Just like a crowd work thing, you know. Um, and uh, uh, it, it got laughs, but also it was a, it was definitely a nervous thing of like people being like, oh, yeah, some of this is. <laughs> not... And this was at a Dali show. Uh, a Diwali show. That's what I said. Yep. And uh, uh, is that where they? Forgive my ignorance. Is that the paint thing? No, that's holy. Holy is the, okay, the paint right. one. Um, Diwali is the festival of lights. Oh, nailed it. Oh, okay. Um, all colorful regardless. Yeah, they're all colorful in many ways. Um, Just for the record, I was talking about Kwanzaa. <laughs> Diwali is probably the closest thing we have to maybe a New Year celebration, you would say. Mm-hmm. You know, that's sort of like a thing. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember which one. Because I think holy is the celebration of Ram beating... 
Ravana, which is the ending of the Ramayana. Spoiler alert. Uh, Dude, I'm only in season two. Oh, you're missing out, man. It gets way better. Come on. So what jokes are you going to tell, then? So, uh, you know, I still want to do my refugee show, which will still be the em- uh, emphasis if people don't know. Um... I go from city to city, doing my hour, which is about how uh, I got to help beat Donald Trump in court to save refugees. Yeah, I thought you were going to be like, for those of you that don't know, I did take a case against Donald Trump, <laughs> protecting the rights of immigrants and refugees. Well, so so I want to make it clear, I did not take a case. And in my spare time, <laughs> I build wells for indigenous people in Bolivia. Yeah, and... but then in my other spare time, I throw them into the wells. So, <laughs> you know, there's a little bit of a give and take. It's, it's, it's a bit of a wash overall. It's a bit of a wash, especially with the wells, you know. Mm. <laughs> Average is out. Um... Uh, I was a, I'm a human rights lawyer. I represent ExxonMobil against those dirty villagers suing them <laughs> for ruining their water. Uh, Corporations of people, too, right? <laughs> yeah. Important people. You know, there was an uh, interesting case uh, where Nestle was being sued uh, by America. And ultimately, um, You're welcome, the American world. government lost. Uh, and it was a case that uh, the American Nestle Corporation is benefiting from the fact that the global Nestle Corporation uses slave labor. And most of the conservatives were like, uh, hey, you know, you can't do this because there's no one specific that you're actually suing. So if there's no one who uh, <laughs> you can sue that actually did anything wrong, there's no standing in court. You know, you have to actually show that someone is at fault here that is uh, in the jurisdiction of American courts. And... Um, uh, I'm blanking out. Oh, um, Alito, who now is uh, in the news for writing a horrible Roe v. Wade reversal, was like, well, actually, we can sue Nestle America because if corporations are people, <clears throat> then they are people who can face the consequences of people. <laughs> there you go. So it was like a one. It was like a really rare moment when a conservative I was, was like, say, like, wait, wait, he sounds like a winner here. Uh, he, well, he lost five to four, but uh, <laughs> the three liberals joined him and that wasn't enough. But um it was a kind of situation where it was like, well, that was a rare principled moment by him. Yeah. Give him that, yeah. That's nice. And then he was like, you know, corporations are people, but women are not. So let's take away their <laughs> rights to their bodies. Uh, Ooh, Nestle does sound like an evil corporation as far as uh, corporations go. I'll say it. I'll say it right here, right now. They, um, Hot take alert! <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, the head of Nestle made some big declaration a little while ago that he didn't think that, that, that water was a human right. Yeah, um, that, wow. was his, that was his hot take. Wow. Um, yeah, I guess he thought that everybody should be buying little plastic bottles of Nestle water. Yeah, yeah. that would not surprise me in the But least. it's tricky, right? Because uh, they don't believe water is a human right, but on the other hand, Kit Kats are delicious. <laughs> so... Well, it depends on which country, though. I, I do think you grow up with a certain kind of candy, then there's one country that will always be, have better candy than that candy, and you go to the other ones and they all suck. Yeah, uh, and I feel like that formula fits for everyone. <laughs> like, uh, if you grew up in India, you probably really liked Indian Cadburys, and then you'd probably go to Germany. You'd be like, "Oh, these are better than that." I didn't grow. Up. I was only first year of my life was India. Oh, I'm just saying, like the theoretical person. Oh, right? okay. I was trying to put something something in the formula that wasn't me. <laughs> but yes, why would you do that? Just to be so generous. That reminds Classic me of the time I was being lawyer. humble. <laughs> Remember that time I lifted that whole table up and allowed you to be even more humble? Yeah, I appreciate that. It's not very often I get to be humble. The same. When you're a winner who sleeps through your basketball appointment today, you know? (laughs) Oh, man. I didn't fall asleep last night until like 8 o'clock in the morning. Oh, my God. What's wrong? It's that time of the year, I think. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
December no. is always just a complete shit time for me. There is a weird thing, too. I, I, I think the three of us have somewhat similar lifestyles. Uh, no, not this healthy motherfucker. With his willpower and... But that's a recent uh, thing, isn't it? I quit, Good yeah, choices. it's like two weeks old. It's very okay. very fresh. I quit smoking and uh, I've been hyper-productive, but it's very irritable. I'm like... Killing it. Oh, really? Yeah, I get okay, very good. annoyed at most people most of the time, and I think maybe I'm just that kind of person. <laughs> maybe maybe I'm, just, I'm not very nice. It would be funny if you quit smoking and then you just become the next Lewis Black of comedy. <laughs> you just get really angry on You know what grinds my gears? Yeah. <laughs> it could happen. It could happen. But, but okay. really, really good. I, I finally edited down the board games at the clubhouse episodes. Uh, so two days of not smoking, and I did 20 episodes, and I've already scheduled them all for YouTube starting uh, on the 1st of January. So. Nice. Should we do a little promotion campaign for that? Yeah, I don't know. I think we need to somehow reach people on YouTube that are on YouTube. So I'm just yeah. I'm, I'm hoping to see that with the titles and the thumbnails, we'll kind of do a little bit of an experiment and, and, and start to figure out what works. How to find our audience on YouTube. Yeah. Man, I'm ex- let's get that quarter crew parody going. Mm-hmm. I, I wrote a parody for something. Cool. Our, our YouTube strategy is going to be to parody famous YouTube accounts and then hope to piggyback on their success. There you go. Well, why not? Yeah. You know, actually, uh, just one good topic. You had, so we were ta- I was explaining to Sid the spotlight concept oh, yeah. the okay. other day, and we don't have to talk about it right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can go back to your... Non-Hindu jokes. Yeah. Who's who's with me? <laughs> he says to silence. <laughs> um, but no, I do want to get your 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 feedback on on the spotlight on record. Uh, I think it's a great idea. I mean, I think you know, <clears throat> there's a lot of comics. Well, let me set this up real quick. Okay, please. All right, just so so all of our listeners, hey mom, uh, no, we're you know we're gonna try to finagle the schedule a little bit we're moving shows uh every all shows every day are going to be moved into like a eight o'clock and ten o'clock format yeah mm-hmm. and then one of those things we're trying to rejigger the weekend lineup to maximize the success of all shows one of the the big i don't know drawbacks or one thing that wasn't going on is our solo our visiting solo performers were not selling very well Mm-hmm. We gave them nice nine o'clock spots on on the weekend, and it still there was the shows weren't popping. And meanwhile, here in Barcelona, there are local shows that are, seem to be doing really well simply because they're consistent. Right. So uh, we suggested, hey, let's uh, let's put a a spot. We'll we'll call it the spotlight show, and we'll do it every week, and we'll just say, you know, it'll be like two openers and a, a long act at the end. Right, and this will be really high quality stuff, and this will be the place where our visiting solo artists can perform. We'll give them a a fixed rate, and then like try to help them with the room and and uh, flights and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right, but there's a trade off. So there's a trade off to the solo performer, but we're hoping that we can, if we do this show long enough and consistently, it will become a big success, and then we can pay performers a bit more. So. What I want to talk to Sid about, mm-hmm. how about that for a two and a half minute yeah, yeah. setup? Uh, what, I, what was interesting to me is the trade-offs to you, the, the visiting performer, because sometimes you can go to a city and make like a thousand euros mm-hmm. in ticket sales, 
And then you come to Barcelona and you lose about 250. Huh. Anyone in particular you think that might... Uh, <laughs> no, I just... Uh, well, the perhaps you is... like, came to town and blew a bunch of money on Google Ads, yeah. not realizing oh, yeah. that nobody in Barcelona uh, uses... Google's. Um, yeah. uh, at least not in English. Uh, so it's interesting, right? So you want to look at the breakdown financially of what happens when a comic goes uh, to any city, right? Which is that? Oh, what with Kuwait? I can't read Spanish. What am I trying to do? I think it's fine. I think we're recording what's on here. Okay, uh, cool. Well, just a big shout out to all the people following along in our live chat. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, big shout out Sylvia Catuzzi, and uh, we had Cecilia San Miango. A lot of Spanish listeners, surprisingly enough. Yeah. yeah all right. Fair enough. Quita. It's me trying my best. Uh, so you look at some of the expenses that go into touring, right? The main one often is housing. That, mm -hmm. If you covered that, that's a big deal. Uh, the second one would be flights. Uh, the third is advertising, right? And then sometimes venue rental, that sort of thing. So those are sort of the four that you need to look into if you are a touring comedian. One of the reasons I often start my tours in Barcelona or end my tours in Barcelona is because, generally speaking, at that point, the flight goes down to like 30 euros, right? Because it's just cheap to fly to Barcelona. Uh, I don't have to pay for housing norm most of the time. I can stay with some of the amazing comics here who let me crash in out of their guest bedroom or couch. <laughs> uh, and Regal. Oh, hey. Yeah, we shout mixed out it up a little Regal. bit. We mixed it up a couple of times. In fact, one time when I brought an opener, and I think Freya got the guest bedroom, and I got Regal's room, and uh, I think he was in the UK. Nice. Ah. Yeah. Very convenient. Yeah, nice. hopefully for us, accommodation, it's good that it's expensive for you, because hopefully for us, it's not going to cost us. As much. Anything or as much. Well, that's what I mean is that when I come to Barcelona, it's it's free, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so then my only costs go into advertising, right? Because also you guys are, are willing to give me a ticket split, which I think is what most venues do, to be fair. Yeah. Um, so then you take the money afterwards. So when I come to Barcelona, uh, my only goal is to sell tickets, and that's my entire expense. So the issue is, because it's not a native English-speaking country... How to market to those people continues to be tricky. It seems like Instagram ads are now the only way to go. And to be fair, that's something that uh, I haven't I haven't done a solo here where that was my main focus uh, financially in terms of advertising. Mm -hmm. So I think that would make a big difference. Uh, and that goes into how much you would be paying the spotlight comedians, right? Because there's two things that you do bring. You bring consistency of comics. However... <clears throat> The reality is, right now, Europe is a Wild West. There are headliners who have a very good hour, and there's a headliners who have a strong 10 minutes, and then they perform for 50 more minutes. Uh, Name the name, Sid! Matthew Murtaugh, science extravaganza. You think I have a good no. 10 minutes? No. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> Matthew Murtaugh, who is this bastard? <laughs> he's, he's the bizarro version of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, science is bad. <laughs> He's a, you, know, you ever noticed a real way to explain the world is a religion? <laughs> Let me tell you a thing about the flat earth. <laughs> it's a cube. Um, you know what grinds my gears? Vaccines. <laughs> I got a vaccine and now I can't get it up. But I have talked to audience members after shows who have told me they look for compilations in cities like Barcelona and even in Berlin because when they watch ours, it's bad. Yeah. Um, so then sometimes a collective that is a primary hour collective can actually struggle because people go, eh, if I don't like this guy, it's 45 more minutes of him. <laughs> Such a commitment. I mean, think about the shows you go to it at Fringe sometimes. Right. You just walk into a room and after about 10 minutes, you're like, oh, 
this was a mistake, right. and I'm here. I'm yeah. here, and I'm stuck. Oh, especially because at the Fringe, a lot of times, you're like, oh, I'm here, and not only am I here, but also, no one else is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's very noticeable if yeah. I leave. What um, was the bad show that we went to together? It was some, some lady, I think. Oh, I think uh, we you thought mean it was the Fringe be... before? Yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah, it was we... like three years ago. Four. It was in the same room that Mike Rice was performing it. I think it was directly before or after him or something, rather. Um, but yeah, she was no good. Um, and I went to a terrible musical comedy at uh, this know. fringe. We were just trying to find something like then and there. Right. So it was like, what's go- what's happening now? And we walked in, and it was just terrible. I don't think there's I saw... no business. <laughs> I think I I don't think I saw any particularly bad shows this fringe just because I was busy. Yeah, and that really helps. Yeah. <laughs> it's like why do you book fringe, a lot of compilations? And so fringe was busy? successful for you, yeah. Yes, in you're a very okay weird way. Uh-oh. Uh oh, and it's something that I'm struggling with for this upcoming fringe, which is that my fringe has found a way to generally sell out my show almost every single day uh, and make a good amount of money, but apparently it's in the wrong place. So I perform uh, with Laughing Horse. This year I got Cabaret Voltaire, which is about an 80 to 120 seater, which wow. it's weird that there's that big of a variance, but that just depends on how many seats <laughs> they put in that day. Uh, in any case, it was almost full every single day, um, which I've had to use for good effect. I let comics uh, flyer afterwards, which I think helped a little bit. Um, yeah. But uh, I was in some meetings with like uh, potential PR people to, who would like to sign me for next year, and their number one advice is, if you do it there, no one will come see your show, which is very frustrating because if it's at the Monkey Barrel, which is across the street, they will see your show. So Wait, but you, you said that you had already performed there and already sold all those tickets. So that's what's so fr- no, no, so it's not that regular people won't come. Industry won't come. So that's the what? really frustrating thing. Says who? Uh, uh, all these uh, fringe veterans. And it's, it's starting to really bother me because this was an issue, uh, especially towards the end of my run, as I started to get more and more traction amongst regular people like, in terms of word of mouth. Industry would book tickets, but then they still wouldn't show up. Hmm. Yeah, that's frustrating. Um, Although I will say, if you're selling out a fringe venue and you leave having made some money, or at least not <laughs> lost money, then you're in a pretty sweet spot. A hundred percent. No, well, but, that's, of, uh... but that's why I get annoyed when they ask me to leave, right? Because I'm like, why am I giving this money up that is actually going to refugees and helping their legal fees? Why would I give that up? Because maybe I can lose money one year at the Pleasance. And then maybe a TV person will pick me up and then I'll make more money in three years time. That seems like a bunch of crap, like uh, uh, compared to or I can just have this venue still be able to donate a decent uh, chunk of change. And I I don't know, maybe it's stubbornness, but eventually I think the industry will come to me. And, And maybe that's nonsense and I shouldn't think like that or it's arrogant, but... I just think, like, what I have gotten to help out with is a big enough deal that it shouldn't be this hard. Yeah, well, I think there's something to be said for ignoring the industry as well. Like, the industry is the one thing that you can't control, whereas these days there's infinite things you can do as a comedian to to make yourself make it. True. Type thing, you know, you can be on all the social media, you can do a Dragos Christian or what Tam has done recently or, or, or whatever, you know, so... I don't know. That's true. I, I, I gave up on being uh, recognized as talented a while yeah. ago. <laughs> I think for me, it's it's more about um, 
my career has been defined by other comics finding me funny, and then when they get something, they go, oh, I'm going to book one of my funny friends to write for me, mm-hmm. right? Which is awesome. I'm super grateful. I think it means a lot to me as someone who sees himself as a comedian first and foremost that other comics like my comedy. It means a lot. Uh, but it also means that when that show gets canceled, none of the industry has actually heard of me, right? Because I had to get brought onto the show by yeah. them. And so it's it's this thing of like, Comedy is already a roller coaster, and I have only found a way <laughs> to make it more of a roller coaster. Sure. Uh, you know what stables, stabilizes it? Go on. A nice guaranteed fee oh, yeah. for doing the. That's true. The I mean, we're definitely losing Saturday money spotlight. on at least the first few shows that we do, right? Like, more than like. Minimum. Yeah. I would say we need 10 shows and a real vibe going before we start selling enough tickets to cover costs. What did um, we we have to sell like forty seats in order to cover costs? I think something like that. Is yeah. that true? I don't think that that can be true for you guys. With flights, accommodation. But think about this. A comedian. <clears throat> let's let's um. Yeah, we we're thinking about sinking basically four hundred euros in into a show. Uh, any show, you know, with an invited right guest. Let's say you give the comedian two hundred quid, which is more than what a lot of comics uh, uh, who are looking for places to run their Edinburgh hour will get. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you put in a hundred in promotion, and then you have you know Hannah use her spare room to have a comic. Uh, and then you pay the thirty quid for a flight. You should be able to get that. You know, you, can, you should be able to make it cheaper than that's, that. That's three thirty right there. Right. So that's, that's thirty three seats instead of forty. I nailed it. I just saved you seven seats, baby. <laughs> I pre- and I I do appreciate that. Um, but also, <clears throat> there will be other figures I'll be telling them off mic that'll probably save them more than that. Uh, <laughs> I just want to show Talk support. To, don't comedy. pay the comedians two hundred. Oh no, who fuck? We're re we're rediscovering what everybody else knows that performance talent is cheap and well, we it's more like this, it. right? If you can do get more than two hundred, you would never say yes to this gig, right? Mm. But that's a smaller pool of comics than we realize, and I think there's a lot of other comics who can do an hour who don't have that um, business acumen or work ethic. Who you can get for much cheaper. So, and if they don't want to have that work ethic, then you know, fine. Well, a lot of people just don't want the stress as well. I think there's something yeah. to be said for that. Like, so Mike Rice, for example, is somebody that could probably sell more than thirty mm-hmm. tickets or whatever in Barcelona. He tends to do pretty well here, but he also like wants he wants an agent. He wants someone right. like in his corner, yeah. booking stuff, him doing stuff for him. And I think. There is a huge advantage to that, which is, like, you just focus on your stuff. You just focus mm-hmm. on the comedy. You don't have oh, to be... Wouldn't that be nice? ...in the business mindset. Yeah. I can't even write jokes <laughs> I just spend my whole time thinking about how to get more Google reviews. And I, like, yeah, sit right. down and write, and that's right. my... I just end up writing a to-do list every single day. Uh, What's the deal with <laughs> but then, TPMs? But then this goes back to my thing, right? This is why I was so frustrated KPIs, by KPIs. a lack of industry coming into these shows. Mm-hmm. Is I think in my <laughs> career, I have never really gotten a lot of no's, right? You're supposed to be able to like withstand no's in this career. You should get a no when you stand back up and try again. I haven't gotten no thank you, he wasn't good enough. I got a lot of no thank you, I don't feel like even giving him a chance. Yeah. Uh, so that's one of those things where you go like, just put me in the game, coach. <laughs> like, Give me a shot. 
Uh, let me shine. Let me show him. Uh, and it seems over and over again the answer is no. Um, but that's that goes back to that, right? I would love to not have to do this work, but not mm-hmm. if I have to do this work. I would like to be compensated for it, right? Totally. So that's when you start to look at like you know rooms in Berlin where you can, if you can pack it out, you can make a good chunk of change, or Nuremberg, or Graz, Austria, or Vienna, or well, Bratislav, so on and so forth. But I think yeah, people if you make can... an un- sorry, I think people make an unfair comparison between Barcelona and all of the rest of Europe when it comes to this kind of thing, because right, people right. here just don't have money and just don't spend money on things like shows. But we know, but we know that's not true. As much as but, we, but we know that's not true, right? Because Luis can sell out well a hundred and so tickets every single week. Yeah, no, they're not expensive tickets, to be fair, right? So he's he's making about as much as like we would try to make for fifty. But like Michelle can sell tickets like nobody's oh. business. She can sell tickets at ten euros a piece though, as well. Is, yeah. is, you're not very rarely. I mean, Michelle couldn't sell. 50 tickets at 20 euros each, I don't think. Right. I think that... Uh, okay. Every week. Definitely not every week. I don't, I'm not even sure she could sell out. If she, 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 she would probably sell out. I mean, she has been very popular. Yep. Uh, anyway, I don't Any, think... Anybody I think with a big cap Netflix can probably sell a couple hundred at 25 to 50. Well, I April think. Macy's on Netflix, and it was... Not, not really. Well, I mean, that's what we were billing it as. That's what, yeah, we thought, but like... I mean, like, a Netflix special that people have watched. Yeah, yeah. we learned our lesson with that. We tried to charge 12 euros uh, for that particular show, and that was the first show that we ever did, like, a guarantee for, and it was a big guarantee. Um, Ate it. We lost. Fucking ate it. But that's that's the thing, is that that goes back to, I think, the two things Barcelona has... that are advantageous, not that the pandemic is, uh, you know, essentially over or it's just going to be ignored from now on, whatever. Whatever you want to, whatever side of that you fall on, whatever. Uh, there's so many more tourists now, right? I mean, I've just been walking down the streets being like, holy fuck. It, yeah. Like, it took me long. I, I was late coming here just because I was like, get out of my fucking way. Well, that's <laughs> funny like because times. I had the exact opposite feeling today. I was like, gosh, everybody's still really? out. Still out. Yeah. Um, well, everyone's been on holiday. It feels like it's been super quiet here at least. This is going to be another... January is going to be another quiet month for us. Yeah, we should do a quick talk about that. I think we might as well do the do the update while while Sid's here. He can all, hear all of our financial woes. Yeah, as you want. Uh, I think so. Well, uh, but, let, but let me just say uh, uh, two things about I think the, the a, ho- a hopeful future. I think is that I think tourists will pay more. They just need to know about the show. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is, uh, I did a few shows at uh, Barcelona's premier rival club, uh, Space Cowboy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> we, you would be surprised at how many people we got in, not because of my fucking, uh, once again, lighting money on fire through ads approach, uh, a sign just out there, like across, like in a thing that was like, comedy this way. Yeah. And it just got like an uncomfortable percentage, I would say, of people in. Because I think more than anything... Europe is in a information deficiency zone right now when it comes to English comedy. Mm-hmm. Even Berlin. Most people in Berlin do not know English comedy is a thing, and despite that, all their shows are full. Once they do, the venues can get much bigger. Same thing in Barcelona. That's yeah, what I believe. I think it's probably fair to say that still most expats in Barcelona don't know about <clears> us. <throat> Maybe yeah. about half do or something rubbish. Certainly most tourists have no idea that we exist. Right. Um, and as we climb higher and higher on Google, we can spend more money on Google Ads. Google Ads, I get the feeling, mm-hmm. are good for us because we can send people generally to our website yes. and they see that there's all sorts of stuff all the time, but they're not so good for like a specific one night, one night show. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's, that's my theory. But even then, you know, I think Barcelona, 
is a perfect city for flyering. It should be. Yeah, we've we've still at this stage wanting to keep a little bit of a low profile and not harass people too much. And in theory, you can only fly within like a hundred meters of the venue, which it is worth it is worth trying. Because yeah, um, that square that's like a hundred meters away, right? Yeah. yeah. Does that count? Yeah. I'm, we've done it once or twice. Yeah, and my current plan for firing is is to specifically target like Tom Segura is coming soon, so we'll, we'll hopefully have like five people outside the venue afterwards that are obviously English speakers that are interested in comedy, which is such a good right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Such a good demographic to be going for. Um, yeah, we'll see. Well, especially because Barcelona kind of has um, a more responsible version of how you get people in from like islands, right? Like. Mallorca, Ibiza, really what you're looking for is people who are like, I'm going to do a bunch of drugs on Friday, and then I need a place to come down on Saturday before I then do more drugs or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And you guys have a nice, calm basement, dark, uh, intimate. We certainly get a, our fair share of druggies. Uh, and, and that's, a, you know, just... In terms Don't of look like, at me. <laughs> just one of them was my He's bringing in a bunch of homeless people. <laughs> yeah, the last guy, like, had smoked crack just that day. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Listen, as long as he buys a ticket. All right, let me... This he is did a third, Matt Litterman for free. Actually. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> third, third and final... I thought he was well-dressed. <laughs> I, I, I really feel like he's dressed like me. What a stylish dude. Yeah. I, I had this happen Making where... Making do with less. <laughs> I had this happen where I uh, uh, went to Menlo Atherton to meet someone for coffee, which is this like fancy neighborhood in California, and I was mm. like, wow, every person sitting on a corner is dressed so much better than me. I don't know what to make of that, but take it for what you will. All right. Yeah. All right. Third and final time. So, 200 euros, not enough, is enough. I, uh, so my, my thing is, I think 200 euros can get a very... Bad idea all, overall, because I think some people are a bit chuffed that we've pushed them out of the weekend spots and da-da-da. And I hate to think that... Yeah. People are annoyed because because they got they got used to doing free shows on the weekends that were busy. But we've always said we don't want to do free shows on a Friday and a Saturday night. Yeah. So it's like for, somehow people started doing free shows and they did a few of them and and now they want to keep them. But I, I'm like we never planned on doing that. We just yeah. that just we were just filling in gaps like uh, here and there or whatever. Uh, so the thing is, a uh, 200 euros for example is going to get you a certain level of comic. Right? And there's nothing wrong with that, but that's who you're going for. And you can uh, go up and down, and it'll you know, be a different... Well, 200 problem. euros plus another... We'll be optimistic and say they'll make another 100 at other shows outside. And a whole week in fucking vacation land Barcelona. Sure. Uh, and there are a lot of comics who are going to be up for that. Um, <clears throat> but I, I also think, uh, you know, if I were to ever do Spotlight... My only stipulation was that it can't be a um, exclusive contract, right? Which is probably yeah. a deal breaker. Well, well, this is a big. What do is... you mean by exclusive? Because we would want you to perform on a whole bunch of other shows, right? But are you you can do your solo at Gollum's that night? Then, then probably wouldn't be that night. But it might be. I might do your show. Uh, let's say I, I flew in, I might have your spotlight be the first show and then Gollum's be the last show. I'd also never do Gollum's because it's a stupid name. Yeah. I'm Maria for life, baby. We wouldn't want it to be exclusive and we basically want people that visit to be on stage as much as they possibly can. Uh, it is... But ideally directing them to right. the spotlight on it, Saturday. It's 
already frustrating. Like we're having um, Gabby come over and, and she's going to do one of the first spotlights. And she's like, you know, just let me sort out all the other shows that I'm going to do while I'm there. So she's packed it out and she's doing like a couple of shows a night or whatever. So she's doing, you know, Space Cowboy and, and all of these other ones. And what is, in my opinion, I think going to happen is we're going to spend 400 euros on getting her to come over to do our spotlight show. And a lot of the other shows in Barcelona are going to get almost the same benefit yep. that we get, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. they get it for free or mm-hmm. they get it for 20 euros yep. or, or whatever it is. So it's like... It's just another service to the scene, I guess. Which, uh, but that's why great. I would. That's why I would say, um, you know, there there can be other ways around it that yeah. that I think might be equally beneficial. Um, I actually think there's nothing wrong with having showcases on Fridays and Saturdays, and then having the random visiting comic uh be performed after that but then let the visiting comic be the reason like to me what i loved is that last month i came in right didn't have a plan was like so busy with all this in, like trying to book all this india stuff that i was like i'm gonna show up to barcelona and we'll get like nine or ten people and i'll just work out this brand new hour that i have not written right that's it's such it was so helpful so i'm so grateful that i got to use a space like this to just be like and then i got lucky right everyone put me on the shows beforehand i crushed uh, uh, I know that sounds arrogant, but whatever. Uh, and then I got to do my hour, not to like, you know, eight or nine people, but ultimately to like 35, almost 40 people. Yeah. Right. Uh, and when you're writing the hour and you're at that new stage, that's like incredibly helpful. Now I'm a fucking idiot and I just did 80 minutes of crowd work and learned nothing, but like, <laughs> it was fun. You know, it was a cool time. Yeah. Uh, and I almost feel like you guys are better off rather than spending your own money to do all of that to just have the 11 o'clock slot or the 10 o'clock slot be this thing of i mean ideally build it at 10 even have to start at 11 uh just so that you don't do a thing where it's 11 and then i show up at like 11 45 to perform uh <clears throat> just because the audience it's tougher for them to stick around um uh uh, uh and focus all your things of like come to our eight o'clock showcases you're a tourist. You're looking for things to do. You've heard everything in Barcelona starts late. Come to our show first and then go experience the rest of the night. Yeah. Start your amazing Barcelona night with us, the comedy clubhouse. Mm-hmm. And that way, you're not really paying your um, line of comics that much. They're going to be grateful for a good full house of paying customers. And you're probably going to get a larger base that way. Because then if a comic is not doing well, there's another comic coming on in like eight, nine minutes. Yeah, I mean, that's why showcase shows sell so much better yeah. than, than the solo shows. It comes back to it being a huge risk for a solo show, whereas almost no risk. For... Well, that's why, like, let the show, let the solo shows still promote on their own afterwards. You know what I mean? And then they can use your shows as help. But otherwise, just because I think that that puts you guys in less of a financial hole. And because, you know, I'll tell you this, there are a lot of people who will want to use you guys as a space for a solo show why put your neck on the line when you don't need to? Mostly because when we let people come in and do their solo show and it, I don't know, sucks, then we both lose. Sure. Right? And, not, and we've, we've put a hole in our lineup that 
we've trusted these visiting acts to fill and they did not mm -hmm. you know and then we don't make money and they don't make money and everybody's and they often would spend you know 200 euros on ads and then they're mad at us somehow because the ads didn't work because we'd yeah. rather have the incentive to really figure out how to advertise well well that's what i was going to say here was a hybrid i was going to propose what if the comics gave you a hundred for you guys to put into ads once you've shown that your ad policy works yeah right because then i think you're still not putting your own money into those ads, but those ads are not getting wasted by someone who doesn't live here. And you're still guaranteeing a much bigger audience that way I while also not putting like the a spotlight though. But you're not you're not putting up as much money in that situation. The comic is still flying over themselves. They're still getting seventy percent of the ticket sales. Alright, just so I sorry, I did smoke already today. <laughs> you're saying we should not pay comedians as much as we can. I'm saying put the onus on them to make it by selling tickets on their own while also giving you money. Like, it should be a thing where both of you are working together but to sell tickets. Can, what often happens when I, room to do that. What often you happens know? when I come here is that it feels like I'm selling tickets for my show, and even though you guys are getting 30%, what am I getting for that 30%? Yeah. Right? That a lot, And that's not uh, unique to you guys. That's, that's, that's an issue well, in Europe in general. these days it's a, a lot more than it was. Okay. We, we kind of insisted on that 30% from the start because we were setting up for the future. But now, the reason we take the 30% is because we get 15 people in here mm -hmm. for a show automatically. Because yeah. of, you know, we're spending right. 300 euros on Google ads and we're doing, we're paying a social media manager and a video right, editor right, right. And, and, and a whole big list of expenses that are sort of for the good of everybody. Right. But that does bring people in. So, yeah, in my opinion, it's just not the same as, as finding a bar that, doesn't ever do comedy, and mm -hmm. then then you should be taking the hundred percent. To be honest, you should be taking a hundred percent plus a cut of the bar if you if you sure. uh, chat with them correctly. Um, but yeah, for us for us as well, it's sort of like the thirty percent because it's a the the trade off is either we do a show with you mm -hmm. and pay you the seventy percent, or we do a show with ourselves and get 100%. Right. So it's like, obviously, we want the variety and stuff mm -hmm. like that, but it's just in terms of, no, like of, course, of course. the negotiation, it's a little bit different. You well, know? That's what, I just wanted to bring it up just to give you guys options, because I think that I think <sighs> you guys are still in this... We've unique... been through <laughs> yes, a million of these, also and true. everybody's opinion changes, or I don't know. It's just It's been a fight every single time. Listen, listen. My initial proposal was a huge failure. When I said Comedy Clubhouse should have one rule, which is no whites, it, it was a huge mistake and a huge financial loss, you know? We, what, we sold zero tickets in yeah. 50 days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. People died. <laughs> <laughs> who would show up to the one, who would be our one person that would show up to our no whites show? It was me! <laughs> Flying in from London, it was very expensive. I think we'd um, may, uh, maybe, no, it's all the white people that would want to show up to show their support. <laughs> 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 yeah uh let's wrap up our interview with sid yeah let's no we... i got more to say i know you do no i'm just kidding but, but <laughs> no. we're we're actually we we got to record another podcast oh my god that you're going to be on as I'm well busy. yeah but let's do the update at the same time because yes. I, I just want to gripe quickly about our financial situation uh okay well let's gripe with sid here then yeah let's do it um, so November was a fantastic month, best month we've had, sold 11,000 euros, 12,000 euros in, in, in drinks, something yeah. like that. Uh, December was terrible, very, very bad. We sold very, very few drinks, not many people came to shows, and unfortunately we, uh, 
allocated our budget based on the projected numbers for November. So, so what are we looking at? We did eight grand. Do you think this month? Uh, maybe I haven't added it up. Seven or eight grand, I think. That's um, a pretty steep drop. The money's coming for the fluffy thing, so we're going to have to pay three thousand three hundred euros. We did the merchandise for uh, Gabriela Iglesias's okay. show, so we basically lent them our card machine. And now we have to Where give them money all of the money for it. It went uh, way back in the day. It went somewhere. And we, we kind of recouped it, but now it's all going to go. So now... Mm-hmm. Warning, warning, danger. January, in order to like pay all of the people we have to pay for everything, I'm going to have to take, I'm hoping, like 2,000 euros out of my personal account. No shit. Something crazy like that. It's really like we've we've become bloated mm. super quickly. It's it's so easy to spend money and very very hard to not mm. or, or to reverse it once it's done. Um, so I'll see how that shakes down uh, at the start of January, but. Yeah, I think we should talk carefully. Yeah, about, we're gonna have uh, a we're gonna have a conversation a about couple that of, for sure. a couple of uh, issues like this. Yeah, well, I've got some ideas of corners to cut. We need to get that fucking popcorn machine back online. Yeah, it's a, it's a cash machine, and we're giving it away for free right now. We got the big bag of popcorn. Yeah. Yes. Oh my god, it's enormous. Yeah. It is like it is bonkers. Yeah, there was this asshole who ate, like, what, five or six barrels of popcorn yesterday? It was crazy. Those, those things, those they're adorable. Our new popcorn boxes, they're cute, but they're, like, the size of a thimble. Yeah. You, you get four kernels. Yeah, in that was my bad. That was, a, that was one of the many bad purchases I've made at the clubhouse. We're almost out of Every, them, though, by the everything's way. Everything's too small. I get the ice machine, it's too small. I get the popcorn <laughs> containers, it's too small. Honestly, Well, how much yeah. would you have charged for something of that size? We were... Uh, that that's that's such an obnoxious size, uh, like a good standard popcorn thing. We were charging two euros. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I tried but to it, get um, personalized popcorn containers. Yeah, I, I used it a lot yesterday. <laughs> classic Spain. Uh, I I ordered some personalized popcorn containers with a little mascot on it and a little QR code to our YouTube channel. And the idea was to be like, hey, a big popcorn if you're subscribed to our YouTube channel. Free popcorn all the time if you subscribe. And then. The order was late and late and kept getting delayed, and then it got delayed like 10 days after the delivery date, which is already really, really slow. And then they sent me a, a, a message saying, oh, we don't have it in stock. So wow. it was at that God. stage that I went and got the little baby one. Yeah. No, it, it is. There is just Let's, no one tells you how frustrating the business side of any of this stuff is. <laughs> and it only gets worse. There was this uh, city, I don't want to name them out loud, but there was a city in India that was like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to charge you X amount, right? And if you sell out, it's an 80-20 split, favoring us. Wow. However, if you don't sell out, it's worse, because it's a flat fee no matter what. <laughs> yeah, well, well, to be honest, these English shows not looking great for us overall. Yeah, you put that in a group chat the other day. Uh, you said uh, half of our house shows are losing us money. Oh, what was it? A group chat with a lot of people. I have no, I don't know. Uh, but that's true. I mean, we're losing money on like Fat Goose, on Midweek Crisis, on Mi- on Midweek Crisis. I think probably. Oh my um, goodness! At least in recent, at least in December. Um, okay. Absolute chaos. I don't know. Absolute chaos is 
Yeah, it's like how long? I don't, I, question to everybody: um, How long would it be reasonable for us to lose money on a show before we say X nay? Yeah, or before we step in and say that we should change the name of the show, we should change before we take a more of an active role in. in before we the ship structure. the show off to Russian. Well, how do you? How do you? Right, how do you so know? these Russian people just quickly. Sorry, said these, sure, these Russian people are coming. They want to do two shows. They want to pay 150 euros to rent the room for each show, and they'll pack it out with Russians that drink a lot. Oh my god! So it's yeah. like, At, we will cancel a mic that we're losing 40 euros on right. to make yeah. 400 euros. Of course. Um, just for the record, yeah, whatever they want, we can we can accommodate, right? Yeah, we're we're gonna talk to Hannah about this on Monday. They want to shave your mustache. Fine, absolutely. Then they want you to eat it. Uh huh. And I, I I get to watch. Yeah, but this is from them now. And I will be smiling as I eat the eat the mustache sandwich. No bread. All right. Well, next, how, let's let's do another episode uh, tomorrow, where okay. we we get in the nitty gritty on clubhouse business. Okay, that sounds good. Um, thanks. Oh yeah, I was, I was gonna keep asking questions. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. No, Sid, we... <laughs> I find this stuff so interesting. I really do. <laughs> well, if you find it interesting, be sure to talk about it, spread the word, hit the like button, ring a bell, and subscribe to Constructing the Clubhouse, the world's best podcast about building a comedy club in Barcelona during a pandemic. I'm busy. Um, <laughs> I'm busy that all the time. <laughs> yeah. As as we wind up here, though, let me just uh, say. To be on the lookout for new podcasts coming from the Clubhouse Crew Productions. Hell yeah. Including a week news segment. We'll see we, what we call it. We'll talk about yeah. what we call it now, but we're about to we're about to start it with Sid as our first guest. Exactly. And of course you have my podcast, El Sid versus Sid. Uh, my podcast where I talk about how I would beat up all the historical people who used to live in Spain back in the day. Uh, I go through uh, weaknesses of theirs, strengths of mine, and we really get into it with a special guest. Uh, each uh, uh, episode of New Historian, it's great. El Cid versus the Cid. I reckon you could beat up Cid from Ice Edge. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I'd probably lose to El Cid the Conqueror. <laughs> <laughs> Most likely. <Yeah. laughs> it depends if you have modern weaponry or not. Yeah, it was, exactly. You know, so, and it's a fair, it's a fair fight. You know what I mean? It's like I think I could win in a fight with a shark as long as we were fighting on land. Yeah. Whereas I think I would win in a shark, but only if we were both in the water. <laughs> Once I'm on land, I'm just too floppy. <laughs> all okay. right. Well, thank you for joining us, Sid. Thank every, uh, thanks to all of you who listen. Um, be sure to, like, I don't know, comment, spread the word. Do all the stuff. There's yeah. 13 things we want you to do. Do all of them. Yeah, do all of them, and be sure to tune in again next week. Thank you so much. This has been Constructing the Clubhouse. I've been Dr. Matt. I've been John Ellis. And good night.